Hey guys, it's Dylan, Ryan, and Chelsea. This is usually the part of the episode where we say something funny to gear up for the podcast, but um, these two episodes we're covering today deal with some pretty heavy topics, and so I just wanted to put a trigger warning out there for those of you that are triggered by discussions about sexual assault. I don't anticipate we're going to get into the weeds on it, but um, I just wanted to let you know and stay safe out there, and if we have to see you next week, then we'll see you next week for the finale, but thanks for listening. California Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. This is episode number eleven of yep. our OC rewatch journey. Episode eleven, right? Yeah, episode this eleven. This is the pin. This yeah. is the penultimate episode, guys. Man, this is the second to last. That's what that means. I'm pretty sure. Um, we will be covering two more episodes of the OC today, and then two more episodes of the OC next week, and then that's it. We'll be gone, pro- maybe forever. Mm-hmm. Probably not forever. In the meantime, I haven't had any caffeine today, and I think my body's overcompensating. Uh, in the meantime, I want to say hello and welcome to our helium queen, our con- our constipation heiress. <laughs> no, the heiress should have been like your name because it's like air and balloons. That makes sense. Oh, A I R E S S. Yeah, heiress. I like that. I like that. Uh, the heiress of Tulsa. I love it. I actually really love that. Uh, Chelsea Trinidad. Yeah. Man, oh my gosh. Now I'm like, do I need to start another Instagram account? Yeah. A Twitter so account? You would post one photo of Jeffrey Dean Morgan on hours in a month, but you're like, you know what? I should do more. <laughs> okay, whatever. That one I posted of Ryan was really funny where it had all these different moods. Yeah. I don't think I saw that one. But yeah, how Chelsea, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here. Um, this episode was interesting. Our, this, these two episodes, it hit a lot different than the first time I watched it. I actually agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Like, um, I have thoughts, and I'm sure Dylan does too. Dylan Irwin, who's also here. I am here. Uh, we're both in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hello, Dylan. How are Welcome you back. Doing? Welcome back to our show. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, it's an honor to me that I have been the longest serving guest star um, on this podcast. And You're so, a guest co-host every week. Yeah, and so I really hope you all retain me for the third season. But I, for one, legitimately cannot believe that we're already almost done with the second season of the show. I feel like... I just shoehorned my way into this like yesterday. We're um, over halfway through the series because yep. seasons three and four are both shorter. Season four is a lot shorter. Yeah. It's like 16 episodes, I think. Look at this, kids. All you children who are listening to this, one, why? Um, two, follow your dreams, and one day you too can host a very long OC podcast with your internet friends. I think it's so funny that I don't think I've seen you, Ryan, notwithstanding the pandemic, in person in like a year and a half, two years. No, maybe more. It's got to be more than that. That's I don't crazy. think I, I totally, I honestly don't remember the last time I saw you. I've met you. Wait. like I've only seen Dylan in person like five times in my life. By yeah. <laughs> Wait, would it be weird if I saw you more recently than Ryan did? No, it wouldn't be weird at all. Are you thinking about the Chance the Rapper concert? Yeah, because tr- I think the Chance the, Rap, the, the Chance the Rapper concert was the last concert concert I went to before the pandemic. And that was quite a while ago. Yeah. I just haven't seen a lot of uh, arena concerts in a while. Maybe Justin Timberlake was after him. I don't remember. Hmm. Like how Chelsea's like, I'm too cool for arena concerts. I don't go to them anymore. I just go to Tower Theater and only Tower Uh, Theater. I go to the Vanguard where my boyfriend works, my (laughs) ex-boyfriend from MySpace. (laughs) 
He's really cool, and he also works at Whole Foods on the side, so get it right. Wow. I think the, I think the last time I probably would have seen Dylan is when I, we both worked downtown, because I worked at the Oklahoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would run into you all the time in the, in the tunnels. That would have been before I got a, I switched jobs. So That would have been I, literally 2017, because yeah. that's when I worked there. That was like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, maybe one day we can see each other again. And yet, here we are every week talking about a 17-year-old television show. I, I, I hang out with you both more than I hang out with my own mother and father, um, which I think is normal for an adult, but still. It's yeah, pretty... I guess I do, too, now that I think about it. I hang out with you guys more than I hang out with um, probably people I consider close friends in town. Wow. <laughs> in town. I like okay. you in town Ooh. at the end. <laughs> oh, I was already judging well, it. you guys... I mean, you guys are in. You guys are in OKC. You know, Ryan. I don't think I've seen you in person in quite a while. I think the last time we did was you were doing a show in Tulsa. Yeah, that was like 2014, I think. I remember that because I remember when that there, that that theater was only open for like a year in 2014. Anyway, yeah, we don't need to talk about this on the show. Bonus uh, <laughs> content. But we're all internet friends, and we're doing this show. We all sound like BFF, which we kind of are now. So. Yep. That's right. We're yeah, my best friends. God. <laughs> Oh boy! If you showed me like pre-pandemic who my best friends were, and now it's you guys, I'm like, what happened? (laughs) Whatever, I'm proud. Uh, Yeah. So these episodes are so the first one that I'm doing is like it's a really fun, but then the end is just like, oh god, it gets dark. Yeah. And but but just both of them together are just so many moments of cringe, like not in a bad way. Not I mean, it's not a fun way but it's like it's a good television way i guess you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just moments of like oh shit like it does it hits differently as an adult for sure compared to just being a child and not really understanding like well the trauma. elephant in the room is the marissa storyline but even the carter and kirsten thing i just it is morose yeah like it is it is that, that and they play this special uh, music whenever they show Kirsten like longing for Carter oh, yeah. and it's it's like the opposite of bad boy Ryan doing bad boy things. Well, it's bad boy bad girl Kirsten music thinking about bad girl Kiki. Yeah. Bad girl Oh my god. Well, no, it's more like sad girl Kiki. Yeah. Sad yeah. girl Kiki. That's Rihanna's Instagram, right? Bad girl Riri. Yeah. Sad yeah. girl Kiki is is yeah. That's yeah. okay. Name of the episode. Okay. Sad girl Kiki. I kind of like that actually. Adding then, it. Now, mm-hmm. we have, now we don't have Dylan texting us like titles an hour before the episode. Pan- yeah, to be live. panic titles. <laughs> panic titles. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I, I know I've said this a million times before. Like we do everything on the show, we just repeat ourselves. There's so many parts, <laughs> small parts of this show that I don't remember as well as I mm. thought that I did because I feel like I know the OC so well. But like, there's some shit I didn't. I literally didn't remember that Carter and Kirsten kissed. I. I didn't remember that. So I was surprised again. It's probably the ninth time I've seen it happen. Still surprised. But yeah, we can get into it if you guys are ready. I'm so ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, we will begin with episode 21, The Return of the Nana. The Return of the Nana features Sandy Cohen on screen for nine minutes and 33 seconds. Dylan, tell me more about the third movie of our Nana trilogy. I've I've been so excited to give these stats because for once they're different. This episode originally aired in Canada on April 28th, 2005, but it didn't in America because our then president, uh, George W. Bush, Nuclear. had a press conference. So instead of airing on April 28th, it actually aired on May the 5th, 2005, right before the showdown. 
So on May 5th, 2005, viewers retreated to two brand new episodes of The O.C. back to back. They pulled a Grey's Anatomy. Uh, 6.77 million viewers, um, which is kind of disappointing considering it was a double episode. Watch this. It's written by Josh Schwartz. So that's the Nana. So that's interesting to me. (laughs) Nuclear. Nuclear. Um, It's interesting to me that... uh, American viewers uh, consumed this these episodes the way that we did and just watched them back to back. Yeah, we're really they, relating yeah. to the American people right now. I feel very connected. <laughs> um, no, I think it's probably had lower ratings because maybe it aired an hour earlier than the OC normally would. Like people didn't realize that they were doing two back to back episodes. That's what I would assume. But that is strange that in that time, like that wasn't that long ago. Two thousand was so we're two thousand five, right or six? Two thousand five. So it's not that long ago where if that had happened now, we would just watch the Canadian version on some on the Hulu or something, you know, like that's wild. Yeah. That, that, like we didn't have access to those sweet, sweet Canadian television waves. But shout out to George W. Bush. Miss uh, you every day. And, and, and by the way, the uh, Mission Accomplished speech was on May the 1st, 2003. This oh. the OC was interrupted for a press conference in which Bush said social security has provided a safety net that has provided dignity and peace of mind for millions of Americans in their retirement. So once again, social security screwed things up for the American people. This, if you, it's, it closes the circle from episode one of the OC where Ryan talked about how social security was going to run out. <laughs> oh, oh. So, so somewhere in Tulsa, really... Isaac Hansen just perked his ears up because there's another conspiracy. Yeah, he's like, who? <laughs> Chelsea, do you have some thought, do, you have, do you have thoughts about Hansen in these episodes oh in particular? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to correct for the record: it's Zach Hansen who believes in conspiracies. Uh, two in of my them. Head. Two of them do. Yeah, two of the three. Uh, oh, so is Isaac the other one? I, yeah, I just chose I, Isaac I because he looks the most cuey. Man, so are we? Are we just deciding that Taylor's the normal one then? Yeah, he's the, he's the normal okay. number of QE Lewis in the news. Did you see <laughs> them on uh, Mass Singer? No. Oh, it was bizarre. Okay, I'll tell was you. Was it what. all of them, or was it just Huey Lewis? I think Lewis? it was. Ju- no, no, no. I'm talking about Hanson. Oh. <laughs> Huey Lewis is dead, right? No, he's still very much alive. He's alive. Yeah. Good. Wow. Good for it's him. The power of love, man. Yeah, good for him. Well, were, uh, no, Hanson. Were all three of them in in outfits, or I think it was just work? two of them, but it was a very bizarre uh, performance. Anyway, I'll talk. We don't need to get into. It. I don't know why they we're switching formats into a uh, mass singer recap show, which I also don't watch. By the way, don't let people think that I do. Okay. No, but sometimes sometimes you're like on Hulu and you just start like morbidly curious and hit play. I've, we've all been there. That's why I was um, the anyways. new the new name that tune is that way. That show is an acid trip to watch. It's wild. Anyway. Yeah, you have to be on drugs, and then it's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay, so it's okay that we've lost a few members of Hanson to QAnon, because, fortunately, we did not notice the entire time watching, but Zach from the OC looks exactly like a Hanson brother. Mm-hmm. Exactly! He even has a haircut. How have we missed this? I don't know. Why did Dylan just send us a photo of Huey Lewis looking like fucking Morrissey? <laughs> That's how he looks now. God. Breaking news. He's he looks 70. like the guy. He looks like the guy who owns Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, he looks. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a. He looks like one of those people on an episode of like Late Sex in the City would be called no, like he really lo- hot. No, he looks like the Nana's husband, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! See, that was a perfect little uh, segue into this episode. Wow. See what I did there? Wow. Uh, but no, Chelsea, I agree. Zach. Um, what is Zach's last name? I know it's not Jones. Um, but it's something really basic like that. 
Zach. Oh God, is Zach, Zach from the OC. Uh, I thought his name was from the OC. It's Stevens. Zach Stevens. Zach Stevens. Zach Stevens from the OC, who is the son of a senator who reads 18 newspapers a day, who is really athletic but also likes comic books. Could be the fourth Hanson brother. Are you prepared, Chelsea, to admit that I was completely mm. right about Zach in these episodes and he's very uh, uh, manipulative? I have thoughts. Him rolling up in a chef's hat. That in itself was so ridiculous and so funny. Uh, whenever, I guess he doesn't roll up. I guess Summer rolls up to his house and he's just like, Are you touching your microphone again? He's, oh no, did you hear that? Chelsea. Ooh. I'm sorry, it's furry. I just. Pat the bunny. Anyways. Summer rolls up. Zach is cooking her gnocchi, and he has a chef's hat on, and it's just—it's it, one of the most ridiculous scenes ever. Like anyone in a chef's hat looks ridiculous, and then the thought of kissing someone in a chef's hat is really weird to me. Which is funny because isn't the term like chef's kiss or kiss the cook? Well, two, those two, are both terms. Two things. I couldn't one, think of anything less. Neoki. Neoki is a new <laughs> big word. Ding. Big ding. And, uh, and 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 two. How do you guys say it? Neoki. It's a it's a plot point in the episode, Chelsea. I'm begging you to watch him. <laughs> I think it's impressive that I she's did. done two seasons of this show almost from memory. <laughs> Doesn't Summer say like Nochi or something though? Yeah, I think she says. She didn't say Neoki. She didn't say Neoki. That sounds like a Matrix Neoki. character. It's from the Italian Matrix. Yucky. Everything is a tomato I, I, sauce. It's like, it's like the Turkish OC. <laughs> I have to add an extra syllable. I don't know how to blend a G and an O. Nookie. You know who would know how to blend those? A chef. Sure. Zakatui. Okay. <laughs> That's another good episode title, though. It is. No, no, no. I like Sad Girl <laughs> Kiki. Okay. Oh, gosh. I'm going to get into this episode now for all good and talking about Hanson and Italian dishes. So I have the first kind of act of this in sequential order, and then I break it out into storylines once they actually separate, because the first part is all kind of one thing here. We begin with Seth in the kitchen, and he's talking about how Bright Eyes has two albums in the top ten, which is just a real sign of the times. Uh, George Bush was on TV talking about Social Security, and Connor Oberst had two albums in the top ten of the Billboard Hot 200. Ryan, do you know what those albums are? Is it Digital Ashton, Digital Urn, and Wide Awake It's Morning? Boom. You yeah. took my note. That's it. I didn't look it up, but I was that was actually off the dome, much like Chelsea does her recaps. Um, <laughs> so they get a phone call. It's the Nana, our Jewish princess, is calling from Miami. That's where she lives now. Is that where she lived in the first season? I thought she lived in New York. I don't know why I thought that. I did too, but Chelsea's the decider. Did the, Where did the Nana live in the first season? She lived in, uh, Jer- did, no, she lived in Brooklyn. That's what I thought. Right? That's what I okay, thought. yeah. So the Nana Or moved. the Bronx. They lived in the, she lived in the Bronx. That's where Sandy grew up. Okay. Which. She's in Miami, bitch. This, oh my God. E- even all of that, um, e- even all of that, it's just a little bit strange to me because it goes against everything that we learned about the Nana in the first season. Um, you know, the Nana didn't like luxury items. She gave away all of her money to um, needy kids. And now suddenly she's living in like a really bougie uh, retirement village and she's wearing Chanel suits and she has this big beach house it, it, that was just a little bit confusing too that me. also means that seth made all these old people friends somehow yeah hang on exactly. i want to get the, i want to say he... that like we yeah. we get a call yeah. from the nana she's getting married apparently that's actually a really funny intro like i really like the episode because it's fun until the end 
Like it's just yeah. it's just kind of off the wall weird mm-hmm. shit that I'm into it. Um, but like the Nana's getting married all of a sudden, and Sandy's like, "Pack your bags, we're going to Miami." So we're going to Miami, and that's when we start really leaning into Seth's kind of old man gimmick. I feel like it works this time, though. I don't think so at all. I hate it. I hate it as much as I hated it in the first season. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not a sexual form of it. It's just like a fashion form of it, which I have a note on that later. I just don't like it because he he overdoes it to a point where he's trying to prove something to somebody. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so they're all going to Miami. Uh, Ryan has to call Trey to let him know he's going to Miami, I guess. And when Trey gets off the phone, because Jeff, Jess shows up. I have a lot of questions about Jess in these two episodes. Um, yeah. I don't know what she is doing yeah. exactly. I, are, do people like her exist? Well, I think the only way to describe it uh, is that she has to have experienced some trauma. Like, not to get real uh, heavy too quickly within this episode, but, I mean, no one uses their sexuality like that just so brazenly with someone who is clearly a dangerous person. Like, he's obviously a felon, and she's in high school. Like, there's just a lot. I mean, the only way to explain that is just she's had some big trauma in her life and is looking for answers, it's, you know? It's very weird. Like, I know people who are kind of, like, 50... I've Or in my life, I've known people who are, like, 50% of what Jess is, but never, like, just as completely submissive, I guess, in that way. I don't know. It's bizarre. I mean, yeah. she was horned up the second she met Trey at, at Marissa's Big Rager. She got her boyfriend thrown in jail because of Trey. She... I mean, I have a note in this... I mean, she's kind of the same character for both episodes, but I have a note at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the second episode that just says, Floater Girl has self-esteem issues big time. And it reminds me yeah. a little bit of how Summer was in those early episodes where she was kind of being that person. And it's it's interesting to see, to see Jess in these episodes um, because I feel like she's trying... She thinks she's exuding strength and, like, power and fem- her feminine wiles, but... She's really not. People are walking all over her constantly. And and it it's really crazy to look at because it makes me wonder, like, if Summer would have stayed season one, episode one, Summer for the entirety of the series, would Summer be like a floater girl type? I but. disagree. I don't think so. I don't think season one, Summer is like Jess really at all. I think they both like to party. That's kind of their commonality. But I think even in season one, Summer, like, she was still like, she was fun. She liked to party. She liked to be flirty. But, like, I don't think she was on that all traumatized of, level that Jess is on. I'll amend and say that Jess is the logical Pokemon evolution to Holly rather than Oh, Summer. God, yeah. See, Holly, I get the, I, yeah, I, I got I the mix I don't know, up. though, because, because Holly had a dad who seemed to be pretty involved in her life. Like, something Jimmy. had to go terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Jess is probably what happens after a Jimmy, to be perfectly honest. Um, but Jess comes back in the third season, and we hear a little bit more about her backstory. So we have that to look forward to. Right. I don't remember that at all. I, okay, I, I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. Uh, well, she makes... Uh, I, I thought that they had been hooking up this whole time. Like, I just assumed they'd been fucking, like, this whole time. They didn't know each other. But she talks about how he's been in prison for 18 months. And I guess he didn't get any conjugal visits from anybody. So mm. I guess they're hooking up as of now. Seth needs to apologize to Summer for the whole comic book party thing which i don't even really remember what happened but he needs to apologize and summer is going full ryan and dylan with her punching bag in her room just really laying into it do you wear a mouth guard when you box indoors i do not yeah me either that's what we're missing uh she's just going ham on this boxing bag she's got good form too Mm -hmm. yeah she has way better form than um 
than Zach did whenever he punched Seth. Mm-hmm. Whenever she punches Zach, she she lets him have it. She beats the shit out of him. It's I just, wonderful. I just thought about the sound Seth makes when he hits the ground again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> So Seth calls her his million dollar baby, which I loved. Yeah, and yeah that was cute. He, she looked adorable in that scene. Is that your outfit of the episode? No, okay. I have so many outfits of the episode. There's so many like, music oh moments in this episode, too, but I'm only choosing yeah. one as the music moment, but there are a lot. Oh, man, because this episode and the next one, their outfits all particularly slapped, so I had issues narrowing it down. Gotta choose one, Chelsea. That's the point. Um, okay. She suggests that they take a break. Summer suggests that Seth and Summer take a break. And Seth kind of is like, oh, well, fucking good, because I'm going to Miami anyway. And it's like, all right, dude, whatever. Like, you suck. I'm still not into Seth. I'm sorry. Uh, but she does kind of lean into, like, what are you going to go to spring break Miami and get wasted and, like, hook up with girls or whatever? So he's he tries to act like it was also his idea, even though it clearly was not. Ryan also has to go visit Marissa before he leaves. And I don't know if it's me or what but like marissa looked amazing in this scene yeah when he walked in like he even he even has this a line where he just looks at her and he's like whoa like she turns around and says hi and she just looks like angelic she looks Mm -hmm. incredible i don't know i but i don't know what's different about her like i couldn't pinpoint one thing that's different other than she just looks amazing yeah he tells her he's going to miami and she like is being really cool like this is this is like really cool marissa she's like i'll take care of trey we can postpone our plans the next weekend i'll do whatever you need to do i was like damn she's just being mm-hmm. cool as shit and she looks wonderful so is, is she i feel like they kind of lost this thread a little bit or maybe i just wasn't paying attention but i remember she would drink and then she was sober and then she started drinking heavily again and now she's not totally sober because she has drinks with Trey, what's her, is she is she drinking now or what's the deal? She's just she's living, yeah, she's drinking responsibly. I, nah. Yeah, because I guess this season, because um, she was drinking when she was with Alex, and I think that she was somewhat level when she was with Alex, mm. like definitely not her, at her best. But I think that Marissa is capable of drinking without it being problematic. Yeah. But I think it just escalates to being problematic for her. She hasn't been problematic drunk since she called her mom the Wicked Witch of the West Coast, which was my favorite scene of this whole season. (laughs) Insert soundbite here. (laughs) Well, if it isn't the Wicked Witch of the West Coast. Uh, So the the guys are all going to Miami. They get into a taxi cab, which I was like, that's such a relic of the time. Uh, But they leave Kirsten all alone in this ginormous house. I thought it was a really good scene when she walks back in and like, oh, she's alone in this fucking giant house by herself. So here's where I'll kind of break it up into different storylines. Once they all split up and they take off into different places, we'll start with Seth and Ryan. Seth plays chess with old men. He's very popular with the weird old guys and uh, the, the Jewish men of this retirement home. Seth and Ryan meet Mary Sue, Jamie King. Oh, from man. My Bloody Valentine 3D is what I know her from. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Mary Sue, I, I preferred the Vegas version of this character, first of all. Um, but the, Yeah, the, I said the exact same thing later on. Like, this is the same. What yeah. I don't understand mm-hmm. is, okay, so she, we find out later that she is a student at Bob Jones University in South Carolina, but, like, what does being from South Carolina do to you that makes it so you can't pronounce Big Spring Break Special? Did you see her face during that scene? Mm-mm. She goes, I'm here to participate in the Oh, I, I thought the because big... she, she, could, she couldn't remember what it was called. Oh, man. 
she drives me nuts, man. Total Mary hey, Sue. Love Jamie King. Oh uh, yeah, Mary Sue's such like a that's like a specific character type, right? Uh-huh. Okay. I will say though, I preferred her boyfriend than uh, you know, over that random pimp guy that was in I charge love, of all I the hookers. I love her boyfriend. He's my favorite character in this episode. He's the <laughs> yeah. best. I just call him Bob Jones. I know that's not, I know that's his school. I just call him Bob Jones anyway. Uh, yeah, I wrote. I called him Billy Bob. I didn't remember his name. Oh, Bob and Jones. He was like, "Let's bring some fire and brimstone." Hell yeah, Billy Bible puns. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, also, Jamie King was uh, like a, re- a regular in Heart of Dixie with Rachel Pilson after she left the OC. It's all the same universe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, and then he and then Ryan goes, "What are those? Your frat boys?" And he goes, "These are my Bible, Bible study, buddies. study buddies." Yeah, dude. Bible study. <laughs> study buddies. So Mary Sue beats seth at shuffleboard which is a real cringy scene i didn't like that at all um and they so in in storyline we're supposed to believe that seth's like we're having a rematch and if she wins she has to be her partner for a dance contest because the winner of the dance contest gets five thousand dollars that she needs to pay off her college loans and immediately it's like okay we go back to the vegas episode from season one it's Seth and Summer are in a questionable place. Seth goes to another state. Uh, some random hot girl is like immediately attracted to him. And you go, this would never happen in real life. And then you realize that she's like fleecing him for trying to use him for something. Um, but that's literally like the storyline two seasons in a row now. Anytime yeah. they leave the state of California. That's so cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the same thing happens in the third season. But the only trip I can remember Seth going on is when he goes to college. But uh, I digress. Yeah. So, so he agree, he has to do it. She beats him a shuffleboard. He's got to do it. We are shown the spring break scene in Miami, which would have been fun to shoot, by the way. I'm assuming they yeah. shot this in California, but like it looked like it would have been a fun just hangout day to be on the OC. T.I.'s there. T.I.'s there performing Bring Him Out. That's my music moment of the episode. Because yeah. That was pre-King T.I., so he was not mm-hmm. quite like popping yet. Like This was like in their wheelhouse to get like up-and-comers. Um, mm-hmm. He had Bring Him Out. was like his only big song, and he performed it. on. He performed it. Like, you forget that like you think of all these bands that play at the bait shop. You forget T.I. was a performer on the O.C. I, uh, I got to tell you, as much as I love that sequence, Swerve almost single-handedly ruined the entire thing for me. I thought for sure that was Jamie Kennedy, and yeah, I the, looked it up. The oh, bananas, oh, bananas, oh, bananas, over and over. Yeah. And I think that most of it comes from this fear that I'm the swerve of this podcast. Mm. I mean, of the three of us, you are the most like him, but I wouldn't say that that's who you are. Yeah, me either. It, it did kind of give me Johnny Bananas vibe, which made uh, me love Johnny. Again, I want love to. Johnny Bananas. <laughs> It's made me certain that we need to cover Entourage after the OC. Wait, is Bananas on Entourage? Johnny Bananas is. Oh, I did not know this. I thought you were going to say we should cover the challenge, which I'm totally in on. 37 seasons. We could do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. One episode. I like you guys, but not that much. Yeah, one episode episode a week. Okay, so is this culture, because this is such a a time in a bottle sort of thing, is that MTV Spring Break party kind of is that still a thing that happens i don't think i don't so. know actually i don't know because we're not of the age of that yeah. would know that i guess you know i don't know no but i don't think that i don't think gen zers would all like they wouldn't go to someone's house and watch the mtv spring break special so i don't think it's a thing Man. anymore but i mean i still think that they they party like that it's just not televised mm-hmm. but they don't send their vjs down to daytona well, there's no, but there's no networks it. that it would even do that. I mean, it's more like, it's probably been more like online. It's probably been like the all gas, no breaks guy. Like that would be the most likely thing. Mm-hmm. 
So he's. We find out that the dance contest not actually a dance contest. I know, right? Uh-oh, everyone. Um, uh-oh, everyone. It's actually a whipped cream eating contest. Basically, you're doing body shots, except it's all whipped cream, and then you have to, what, like, get the cherry out of the girl's mouth? You got to kiss um, them. It's basically varsity. I mean, it's like the varsity blue scene, only taken to the OC instead. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Seth's into it. Ryan tries to tell him, like, mm, that's weird. And he's like, no, no, no. But it's for her college, which I kind of I kind of like that. Him being like, oh, it's for her loans. I would have been that exact same person at that <laughs> age. It makes total sense to me. So Ryan has to call Marissa and say, and I don't understand the timeline of the TV situation here. Because he calls Marissa and says, hey, make sure Summer doesn't watch TV, which is like, ah, ha, ha, pretty funny. The next episode after this, after they're already back from spring break, they're hanging out in the kitchen of the Cohen's house, and Seth is like, I need to tell her before she sees it on TV. I think that at that point, Seth did not realize she had already seen it, because he he thought that Ryan was like running and having Marissa run interference. And so I'm assuming he he like, that she did, but did he think that summer was going to record spring break and then watch it a week later? Dude, maybe so. And I, and I will say this. So I looked up a really sad statistic. So MTV mm-hmm. spring break started airing each year on March 24th, 1986. And it ended on March 25th, 2014. So Gen Z does not get the benefit of MTV spring break anymore. It was a fun time, actually. It really, yeah. I, I enjoyed our era. Mm-hmm. With MTV Spring Break, where they would do TRL. I told you, Fall Out Boy played Oklahoma City, and then the next week they went to MTV Spring Break and blew up and became this massive band. There's an amazing Blink-182 performance from MTV Spring Break as well yeah, on YouTube. I, yeah, no, for sure. That's when they had, remember they had so, Say What Karaoke was like live from Spring Break? I oh love Say What Karaoke gosh. was my shit. Yeah, and there was really only like three or four hours worth of Spring Break programming, uh-huh. but they would like air it on that Friday and then just replay it for a whole week straight. And I remembered uh, one of the segments that really stood out to me was they did some kind of like man makeover. It was basically Queer Eye, but instead of the Fab Five, it was the members of Simple Plan. Oh. And they. <laughs> Pierre is known they, for his fashion. Like, <laughs> yeah, so no, Pierre like helped this dude. Like he was kind of a big dork. And they like dressed him better and they taught him some things to talk to girls about or whatever. And he's. And then they do a Simple Plan concert and. He, <laughs> Pierre is saying like I'm just a kid and then you know the the, the audience like says it back to him but instead of sticking the audience the microphone to the audience he gives it to this dork that he's been teaching and like the guy in the most monotone voice ever is like I'm just a kid can I tell god I have so many thoughts right now we're gonna side we're getting sidebarred I'm sorry so first of all just that song in particular cracks me up as a 33 year old mm-hmm. i'm just a kid and life is a nightmare is like the nightmare. funniest the funniest thing to me like i think that's super funny to sing and here we go i'm just a kid and life is a nightmare <laughs> well they were probably like 25 yeah. whatever they wrote just that. the word nightmare is like so dark but they were just like singing it like they were happy and those whatever ca- those canadian accents i think i've said this on the podcast before but did i tell you that was my first like concert concert was simple plan no, i believe that though and uh wait, and wait where was it it was at i think it was, was at the lloyd state noble i saw them at the state fair with reliant k and good charlotte i see you oh and my raise God. you that would have been my dream concert in 2003 i saw simple plan and the opening acts were a little known band named maroon five and uh <laughs> like seriously adam levine wore a white t-shirt it was weird followed by bubba sparks 
Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. He took his shirt off. I love that. That's a that's a spring break concert. Heck yeah. Uh, is also is a Pierre like seven foot tall? Like he's massive. That dude's a, a giant. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, so okay, do you remember? This is the thing that uh, like something that we talk about in my household at least once a week is he's five. Why 11. can we? Is he really? Mm-hmm. I thought he was way taller than that. I thought he's like six five. Huh. Anyway, something we talk a lot about in my house at least once a week, and I'm not joking, is how infuriating it is that Paramount Plus. They present themselves as like, hey, we have all the MTV stuff, and you go to it, and they don't have all the MTV stuff. It's infuriating. They don't have the good real world seasons. Mm-hmm. They don't have any of those old shows. They don't have anything. They don't have any true lives from before Next. like 2013. They don't have Next, which we've talked about at length. Mm-hmm. Um, remember Made? Made was my shit. They don't have Made. <laughs> yes. I love Like what Maid. Chelsea was describing sounded mm-hmm. like an episode of Made. But like they don't have yeah. any of that shit from that. They don't have True Life. They don't have any of the True Lives from before like the oh 2015. Oh my gosh, True Life was so good. It was, yeah, was made. Made was the one where it was like Queer Eye, but they're turning them into celebrities. Was no, that it was like made? we're turning them. No, no it was like I want to be made into. The, I want to be made to the prom yeah. king. So then they hire a trainer to help you like lose weight and dress oh better. Essentially. Oh my gosh. Well, the other thing looking back is I'm wondering how that was even like profitable for them because obviously with catfish, you know that everything transpires within like two days. So it makes sense to fly everyone out there. But made occurs over time. So do they just like schedule a day that they go and then they come back a week later? Or? I think so. I remember specifically the coaches being like, well, I have these events I have to do, but I'm going to come back in a week and we'll check in. They just give you a list of things to do that week. I remember made. Okay. Um, sidebar about Simple Plan. Um, they've had quite a renaissance since their song was trending on TikTok. Seriously? Wait, Wait. I'm just a kid. Oh yeah, there was the challenge yeah. where they showed you they they showed they try to recreate the, their photo as a child. Yeah, and mine was actually really cool because it was a picture of me and my sister in our little Barbie Jeep. Yes. And um, my husband has. Have you guys heard of a moke? It's like a. So like it's a, a little Jeep. So like a chew. But a big. Uh, it's it's like a little for a jeep, but it's bigger than a golf cart. So it's like a chuggy. It's, it's a chuggy jeep, huh? A chuggy jeep. Yeah. Chew- oh yeah. We're, we're using that word now. We all know what it means. Um, but it was awesome. Like it was like the perfect re- re- <laughs> It was the perfect recreation. My sister ran me over with a Barbie jeep when we were kids. <laughs> I believe that a hundred percent. I would want to run you over if I had a Barbie yeah. jeep. <laughs> What what did you do to deserve that? Uh, nothing. Any, I think, literally, any, no, literally anything. Yeah, no, nothing at all. Like she shoved me out and ran my legs over. No, your sister's brilliant. I love it. That's <laughs> so smart. I'm not done talking about MTV yet. Do you remember duets? Yes. No. What's duets? Okay. Duets was a show where they would get someone who's like a super fan of a band, and they'd come in and they would record one of their songs with them. But like the songs were, some of them were really good. I specifically remember there was one with Blink One Eighty Two. With Dan, where this dude was upset. Dan? Yeah, Dan was the, Dan was the dude. I found it. Didn't He's he? a drummer. Yeah, they did a what they song did they Stay did together do? for the stay, kids. That's right. <laughs> but like they, but there's this rare recording out there somewhere of Stay Together with the Kids recorded with two drummers, and it sounds really cool. Um, anyway, I'm, I guess we can let go of MTV for, for now. We'll be, I'm sure we'll talk about them again next week. Yeah, gosh. I just, I mean, MTV and the OC go so hand in hand, though. So I think this is very relevant to whole era, our audience. The whole era of mm-hmm. pop culture, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're going back to. We're thinking about the early aughts and just, you know, life is simple then. It was fun. Well, I'm just a kid and life was a nightmare. Is <laughs> Life was a nightmare. Life is a nightmare. That's so funny to me. Okay, um... 
do we remember back again back in the Vegas episode where Seth's on the phone with Summer and some and that random girl comes up to him and like makes out with him while he's on the phone with Summer? We remember mm-hmm. this, right? And yeah. we're like, wow, yeah. of course it happens when he's literally on the phone with Summer. Uh, very right. similar thing happens with Ryan talking to Marissa on the phone and some random girl just walks up and flashes him. Oh, yeah. So you can apparently get disqualified from wet t-shirt contests if you have implants is what that scene taught me. Of course, of course he was on the phone with Marissa. Marissa's Marissa, again, yeah, she's cool. She's being so yeah. cool about it. She's like, that doesn't sound like the retirement home. And he's like, it's not. Was that and the like, Nana? <laughs> yeah. Like Marissa's being so cool in this episode. So Ryan's talking to Marissa. He's like, hey, don't watch the spring break thing, whatever. Ryan goes to the bar to order water because he's a responsible adult. And when he's at the bar, I wrote, I, I wrote this is my stream of conscious notes. He runs into a guy from Florabama shore. Um, he actually goes to Bob Jones university, an evangelical arts and science school, which is an oxymoron. Choose one. Um, <laughs> I did not know this was a real place. It sounded like a made-up place. I know. So Bob Jones is looking for his girlfriend. Of course, his girlfriend's Mary Sue because it's the OC. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that she's going to burn in hell, and he brought all of his Bible study buddies with him, and they look like <laughs> the Alabama water polo team, essentially. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I wrote know- down that they looked like the dudes in... Uh- Oh, probably too soon. That that horrible SAE bus incident at OU. They, yes. I was, I was actually gonna say it's insane to me that only 15 years from that, from this episode, they were going to be storming the Capitol. Oh. <laughs> okay, Dylan's joke wins. Yeah, that was pretty good. Good job, Dylan. Um, so now we know there's conflict. These guys are gonna find Mary Sue, and Seth is with her. So shit's gonna go down. The contest starts. Shout out to Kaiser Chiefs. Not my music moment of the episode, but I do love that song. Um, Bob Jones spots his girlfriend and says he's out and says he's going to go destroy our skinny little sinner, <laughs> a.k.a. Seth Cohen. Um, because Seth is on stage and on television licking whipped cream off of this girl, Jamie King. Once again, shout out to her, her best role. And uh, just looking like a real doofus, I would say. It was so funny that he was in a full outfit. It's like a button-down shirt. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice, weren't they playing, like, kids with guns or something while he's, like, licking the uh, what, cream well, they were pl- No, they were like, playing the Kaiser Chief song during that scene, but they were playing kids with guns earlier. They were also playing Miami by Will Smith. Like, they were really bringing it this episode. Yeah, yeah they did. Oh, they always bring it during travel episodes. Like, remember they played Beastie Boys whenever they went to Vegas? Yeah. They see. I don't understand. I didn't understand what happened in this scene. Once the contest <laughs> is over, once the contest is over, Seth is the winner. Seth and Mary Sue are the winners. But then they see. Then Ryan sees the the study buddies running towards him, and Ryan runs towards him, and then says, "Hey, they're going to beat you up." And then they both. And then Ryan and Seth just awkwardly stand around there, like on television, while the guys run to them and surround them. And I was like, "What is Ryan doing? Just awkwardly standing around on stage on I, national television? That's so out of character for him." But whatever. I want to add another layer of confusion. So part one, uh, the, uh, the the Avengers, the Bible Avengers, see this situation going on they start going to seth first thing that happens is ryan gets on stage like you said no one says anything no one's worried about it ryan's up there now standing on stage where like you said cameras are on then all of a sudden the rest of these guys the bob jones boys 
get up there and someone says, hey, hey, it's contestants only. So that's an incongruency I don't like. Followed by, of course, them just all standing around in a circle. It's kind of like when two dogs like really, really get mad at each other and they run up and they just stand there and stare at each other. But the part that confuses me most is, so you're telling me to punish that skinny little (laughs) sinner, they just covered him in whipped cream? (laughs) Yeah. They gave him like a whipped cream head massage. That's the thing. Is the next thing whipped cream head massage? I love that band. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, they just like show him, and he just looks all fuck. It looks like they just rubbed whipped cream all over him. That'll show him. No, get his arms. As much as we enjoy how dumb this is and make fun of it, there's no payoff at all. There's literally nothing. Like we don't know. Like, we, next time we see Seth, like you said, he's had a whipped cream head massage. But he's just, like, kind of laughing about it. Like, oh, that was a funny situation, right? But, like, what happened with the boyfriend? What happened to Bob Jones and, and, and Mary Sue? Like, what are they okay? Are they back together? The world needs to know. That's a spinoff. Um, I, would, I would watch it. I think it's called My Name is Earl. But I would watch <laughs> this version of that. But, like, nothing really happens. There's no real consequences. That's just kind of it. Um, I guess the consequences were with Summer, but anyway, that's kind of it. Ryan calls Marissa. Um, she doesn't answer because her phone is on the beach with Trey, and we'll get to that later. So that's kind of what's going on with Ryan and Seth, our two heroes. Definitely the most lighthearted of the storylines. So I'll move on to Sandy and the Nana. Um, these storylines are so like compact, they're pretty easy to breeze through. So Sandy tells his mom that he and Kirsten are in a rough patch. Um, Dylan, what are you eating? I just, Leslie just brought me a banh mi sandwich, and I'm going to eat it on mic. I'm kidding. I'm not. Yeah. Thank you for not doing that. It's the nicest thing you've ever done on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, hey, you can take a bite, though, because I'm going to talk about the pew, 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 outfit of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost Jess's bikini top and jorts and studded belt and vans. I feel like I've been to many a party in that identical same outfit. But no, it is actually going to be the Nana's uh, orange hat, turquoise necklace, and coral muumuu. Wow. I thought you were going to say it was Bobby's outfit. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she, she, had, she had real old lady big dick energy in that outfit. She did. So, um, Dylan, you look disgusting right now, by the way. <laughs> it's like pouring out of your mouth. Oh, God, I hate this. This is the worst moment of my life. I'm just an adult and life is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan's vomiting right now <laughs> off camera. Yeah, he just like spit out. He took a huge bite. It's just like on the floor now. Poor Leslie's gonna clean that. <laughs> so I need your dog to come in and help. I want to talk. <laughs> His name is Todd. And he's a good boy. I want to talk about this wrinkle that we've just that we that has now been um, presented to us. That Sandy bought his mom. A million dollar condo in Sarasota, Florida, which I was shocked yeah. by because I can't imagine How did Kirsten. Sandy do that? That's what I'm saying. I can't imagine what, Kirsten what helped him do that. It had to have been Caleb's money, essentially, right? Yeah. Did he spend the money he got on the lighthouse to buy his nana a beach house that she doesn't even live at? I, I was just such a random like. I mean, I know why they have to put it in there because that's kind of the thing that lets you know that like this guy sucks. But it was also very random. I regardless, I really loved Sandy's energy throughout this entire like section. I think, hold on, there was one quote that he had where I think he said, uh, "Why would I be offended?" At one point, like to Bob, straight faced, and I just I love this version of Sandy Cohen so much. 
Right. So Sandy meets Bob. I wrote Bobby. I think you call him Bob. That's more official. But Sandy meets Bobby. Uh, Bobby <laughs> looks like a rejected Sopranos character. And then yeah. I wrote, he looks like if Jerry Springer were a pawn shop owner. That's what Bobby, that's the energy that Bobby's serving. Um, he refers to the Nana as a pistol, which I love that. I want to start referring to, I think Chelsea, could, Chelsea's the pistol of this podcast. Totally. The first time I ever heard it was in Titanic when uh, unsinkable Molly Brown goes, she's a pistol cow. <laughs> <laughs> Deep pull. That was very impressive. Thank you. For having not seen Titanic or the OC in years, you're doing a great job. Yeah, um, I am. People, people think that I'm um, spacey, but I'm actually not. I actually have a very good memory. It's just all relative. Yeah, except whenever we talk about a thing, and then five minutes later you go, we didn't talk about this thing. And we're like, yeah, we did. <laughs> Your memory. It's Your memory is so good. I have short-term problems. Okay. Well, um, Sandy starts to really tighten the screws on all our buddy Bob here. Like Dylan said, he turns into this like... He turns into this version of Sandy we've not seen before. Basically says, don't give me a reason to not trust you. Sandy mm-hmm. Sandy sussed this dude out very quickly. I guess they were going to have a post-dinner dinner, after-dinner dinner, whenever they go to another dinner. dinner. Yeah, <laughs> They go to another dinner, which is Sandy and the Nana. They're waiting for Bobby to show up. And he calls Nana and says something along the lines of, I'm being sued for malpractice and I need to leave town. And then she's like, how long till this all blows over? And I'm like, this is not how any of this works. I don't think malpractice lawsuits are like, they don't blow over. But he essentially leaves town, leaves the Nana, leaves the state of Florida. And he was absolutely sus. And uh, Sandy got it out of him. Sandy found the imposter. Yeah, Sandy found the imposter and uh, called him out. And he ditched town. Like, that was quick. That was a very quick, like boom boom storyline that you're just like okay boom we're done it's not like something that takes seven episodes where you're wondering if you can trust this guy or not i like that um he ditches town so you know sandy was right about him the whole time and nana eventually talks to sandy about it and says that she knew i wrote nana knew bobby was part of generation hustle but she needed sandy to vet him they have a good moment she's she's doing fine she's healthy she wants sandy to come visit her more that's the end of that storyline. She's not getting married after all. She's going to die alone. Okay. We move on to Kirsten and Carter. Or is whatever Dylan calls him, the airman or something. The rocketeer. There we go. You got to watch so, it this weekend. I'm not. You know that I'm not. <laughs> of all List- the things, Listeners. Yeah, of all the things you know I'm not going to do, that should be number one. Um, Kirsten wants to work ahead since the boys are out of town. She thinks they can get some work done in the magazine. Carter says no because he's quitting. <laughs> he's like, fucking, I'm out. I got a new job in New York. I'm leaving to go work for them. His story was kind of nice, though. Like, I thought that was a good moment for Carter. That um, the magazine you know, that he, he didn't want to do got him a better job, basically? Yeah, like, just I thought that this was the end of my career, but we did such a good job on it. It's kind of revived it. I mean, it's a good moment for him. Fail up. Like, obviously, he came to... Yeah, I know. That that tweet that we were looking at, or that text or whatever, was very true. Like, Carter does seem to be kind of kind of a dull dude. Yeah, his beard looks terrible now. Like, it's it's bad. I don't like it now. I his like hair is weird, too. His hair kind of looks like Bert from Bert and Ernie. It's kind of... <laughs> Didn't you say this? You said this last week, I'm pretty sure. Oh God! I'm pretty sure you did. Chelsea, yeah, no, Chelsea's wonderful memory. I think you said it when Dylan was off the show. Actually, I'm not kidding. Whenever your internet (laughs) dropped out, I'm pretty sure you said that, Chelsea. I'm the only person. I'm the only person you shared it with so far, so it's okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, I wrote like I wrote Carter's beard is is already peaked. It needs to go. He's headed to New York. They have a really long hug, and I'm just asking again, why does she like him? And then she does something that becomes a theme of this episode. She invites him over for dinner at her house, which happens a lot in this episode. We'll get to some more of those in a minute. But uh, that's a kind of a big thing. Of all the people that were invited to dinners at houses, this was the one that was the yeah. most kind of like, oh, shit. Because like, obviously her husband's out of town. They have this big house. They, you know they're going to be drinking. She's like, why don't you come over on a weekend night? I'm just like, oof, okay. Candlelit dinner, too. Kirsten. Yeah. There are candles. I wrote that. Uh, I wrote Carter shows up. Yeah, I wrote Carter shows up and he looks like the drunk guy at every wedding. <laughs> uh, they're very drunk. Sparks fly when they're opening their probably 14th wine bottle when their hands touch. We learn that Kirsten lied to him. She catered the dinner and she he says, why would you tell me that? And she goes, because I can't lie to you. And it's like, Ugh. oh, my God. Oh, my Gross. God. What's happening? I forgot that this happened. You guys saw my notes. I wrote them mm-hmm. in real time as I was watching the episode. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Carter goes on a spiel, says I didn't want to leave. Like, it was hard for me to choose to leave this job, but I didn't actually want to. I wanted to leave Newport, but I didn't want to leave you. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, they're just making out. Kirsten and Carter, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Weird mouths, both yeah, of them. Yeah, I... Okay, first of all, I want to say they had way more sexual tension than Sandy and Rebecca ever did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's true. Then Nana and Bobby had more sexual tension than Sandy and Rebecca did. Yeah. yeah, Sandy and Rebecca was just, like, stupid. She was just annoying. But, like, Kirsten and Carter, you can kind of see how they would grow close. Like, he moved to uh, Newport, and she was kind of the only one who, like, believed in him or was happy to have him around. And they clearly had really good work chemistry. And they came together at a time when Kirsten was feeling very lonely because not only was Sandy kind of out with Rebecca that whole time, but, um, you know, you can definitely see she doesn't hang out with Ryan and Seth as often. Um, you know, there's definitely, you can feel that they're kind of teenage boys and just well, don't want to be with their mom all the time. She doesn't have any friends that we know. She doesn't hang out with the noobsies. She doesn't really hang out with Julie. Haley's gone. She doesn't really hang out with her dad. Exactly. Jimmy's gone. And then Julie and Caleb are probably the other two people that she was close with in her life. And they're married now. So they're less at her own disposal. So you could see why she was feeling very disconnected. And it was so nice having Carter who just thought she hung the moon and she got really good work uh, chemistry with and they took kind of a crazy idea and turned it into something really successful and you know they said that they would just drink wine together and work and you know even whenever sandy and the boys left for this like she shut the door and she turned around and she grabbed her phone and she was really excited she was like hey where's carter i just thought that we would work all weekend together like she was clearly really excited about that shame again it goes back to what i said a couple weeks ago it's like it's as if she's never spent any time with an adult male that is also single than is around her age Mm -hmm. it's like if she sees that she immediately (laughs) just like connects to them in a way that kind of like marissa does actually it seemed like such a so okay i will ask you guys this question after they kiss and it wasn't really a make out it was more like a closed mouth long kind of a cousin situation Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. A closed mouth, long situation. Well, it was, it was like, I was trying to say longing, Oof. but I, I already girl, said sad the girl word Kiki long. Indeed. So I like couldn't say long, longing. I thought that'd be kind of weird. Kiki, mm-hmm. do you love So I was searching me? for a word. I couldn't land on it. Um, but then, so they, they stop and she goes like, 
I'm gonna really miss you, where she said something like acknowledging that they were parting and they showed his face and it looked disappointed. Like, do we think in that moment he wanted her to be like, I wanna be with you, stay here. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. We we do think that. I think that his, I mean, I don't think he was being as nefarious as someone like, I don't know, Zach, but (laughs) I do think that in his mind, there was a chance that she's unhappy in her current relationship and I really like her and we vibe and maybe I can get her out of it. I mean, I, I kind of, I said this a little bit in, in the notes that I sent you all to about the weird mouth kissing, but so two things. One has one of my favorite shots of the episode is where Kirsten puts her wine glass down and you're like, Oh good. She's not drinking anymore. And then she walks over to the fridge and gets out the absolute vodka, which for some reason she keeps refrigerated. Um, you put it in the freezer. But no, she put it in the freezer. Oh, I thought it was in there, but it's not. The bottle's not frosty. She's refrigerating that absolute vodka. I'll tell you here right now. But the, 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 the Dylan's alcohol corner. The, well, welcome to Booze Corner. Um, but the question that I kind of had is: Do we think that she's drinking more heavily because she's sad Carter is leaving because of what she did to Sandy, or kind of a mixture of both? And I tend to think it's a kind of a mixture of all of those things, like she says later. She kind of explains it in the next episode where she basically says, Sandy and I just, there was a wall between us. We couldn't get through to each other. And Carter came along and we really connected and now he's gone. And I think that's why she's drinking. My last note of this storyline, because I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, Kirsten and Carter, they're kissing. OMG. And then he leaves. And then my last note just goes, vodka time, baby. Let's fucking go. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what's going on with them. They're, as far as we know, he's leaving and he's gone. And that's it. Um, That situation is over and we'll see the aftermath of it on the next episode uh zach and summer we'll quickly do them zach just walk so summer was what i said was boxing and seth came in and they decided they should be on a break so zach just shows up and (laughs) zach just walks into a room and gets his shit rocked (laughs) she destroyed him that's that was was a great punch too she is incredible uh but he's fine i guess i think if someone hit me that hard i would be dying i would have a concussion probably <laughs> yeah i'd be i'd be dead i have c i think i'd have ct mm-hmm. zach's family of course zach's family is in aspen for an e for an econ conference and so zach invites her over to his house for dinner again italian food i hate this this so much zach in this episode drives like there's nothing he reminds me of like that 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 girl that everyone went to college with, and I'm just saying girl because I I I, I personally don't know any guy that's ever done this. Chelsea. But like, so you'll be able to you'll be able to back <laughs> me up on this, Chelsea. But it's like that one girl that like spends a semester abroad and then bases her entire identity around mm-hmm. the fact that she studied in France. Oh, and they talk about it all the time. Yeah, like, like, well, what when I was in Spain? Yeah, like, bonjour. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant hi. It's like. Grr! I have a good friend that you probably know, Dylan, who he was in London for like a few months and he came home and he was like, do you know what? Where's the loo? He was like calling it the loo. I was like, no. Oh, my gosh. That did not come out naturally. I think I know who it is, but I don't want to say it because Ryan won't bleep it out. That's true. I will not. We bleep out names. It was. Yes, I was going to say it was Hillary Duff, wasn't it? Well, I'll edit it it just to make Dylan say it and I won't bleep it out. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) So. Zach invites Summer over for Italian dinner, and I know that I've said this already about Marissa, but man, the girls are growing up in front of our eyes, okay? Because Summer at Zach's house looks amazing. Yeah. She looked incredible. She was wearing like a geisha dress. I know it wasn't, but it looked awesome. 
Her hair. No, those was... are really popular back then. I had Did some. Did you have the Shrek vest? Was this another Shrek vest? The geisha dress with the Shrek vest on it? No, Dylan. There's no Shrek vest? Uh, no. So I wrote, Summer looks so cute at Zach's house. They discuss Neoki. Um, and they turn the TV on to spring break, so you know what's going to happen. They see Seth on TV licking whipped cream off of Mary Sue's body. <laughs> and Hi. Summer sees that. I like how they set it up as being like, what kind of idiot guy would want to be a part of it? Immediately you show Seth's face. Mm-hmm. And then she kisses Zach. She just looks at him and they start making out. And I, yeah. I wrote his master plan is working. I told you, Chelsea. <laughs> Those were in my notes. Mm-hmm. I guess you I like the Miyoki. May, I, I think that I just like Zach. Like, I have in my notes, Zach is a way better man, to be honest. So yes. much better for Summer. A hundred percent. But mm-hmm. also don't, but also he was not purely like, he wasn't as altruistic as you think he is. Well, I do think in that moment, because I mean, what else is he going to say when Summer was like, I can't go. And he said, he can't fight fate. Like, he wasn't starting the manipulation in that moment. Like, he couldn't have predicted that. He started the manipulation so I, weeks ago, whenever he got involved with this comic book thing, and it comes to fruition in this next episode, where he literally mm-hmm. tells Seth, like, I'm a water polo guy. We're not nice. I love that no, one. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I meant, like, before, whenever Summer broke up with him for the first time. Yeah, you have to be a good guy in that moment. You, you can't be shitty to her in that moment and still think that you have a shot with her in the future. He sat in Italy and planned it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I Absolutely think that he, he the whole time he was in Italy, he stewed and he planned his revenge. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Yes. Yeah. An eight gnocchi. Is that master plan is working. So good for him. But that's how, that's how we leave them. Um, Zach and Summer making out of his house. So now we have to talk about Marissa and Trey. So Marissa, Marissa goes over to her ex's house, which is now Trey's house. Trey's undressed because Jess was there, which was a weird scene. And now it's even weirder to think about in hindsight. Yeah, why why would anyone answer the door wrapped in a blanket? Why are you doing why are you doing our podcast wrapped in a blanket? Uh, oh, ooh. oh, hey, I have clothes on underneath these. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he did too. Yeah. He didn't. <laughs> oh my god. They, they won't they okay. won't let us show Dong on TV. I will say, okay, that scene, Marissa has, has pigtails, and I have no yeah. idea why her pigtails made me so mad. <laughs> wow. Let's ex- let's go. Let's work through this. I have really strong feelings about these pigtails, and I think that it was just disturbing to me um, because, like, there was already that kind of, like, jailbait overtone of the episode, and she just looked so infantile whenever that happened she just looked really young and i don't know i think it was just adding on top of the other disturbing things that happened she just looks super young and innocent and like her hair is so wispy and thin it just looked like a little kid's hairdo they probably did that on purpose because i literally said earlier she looks amazing she is being really cool Mm -hmm. like she's being like the really cool fun like good person marissa that we've seen in the past and she's looking great Mm -hmm. but i think that's just kind of a setup to like it makes it more effective when what happens happens to her because she's been kind of built up as this wonderful person well they did a good job yeah So she wants to take Trey job hunting, and then she leaves. She's like, I want to take you job hunting. He's like naked in a blanket. She's like, I want to take you job hunting tomorrow. He's like, okay. And then she leaves. And I was like, why didn't she just call him? People, they have cell phones. Like, just yeah. just text him. This could have been an email. Uh, Jess is there. That's why he's undressed. And she makes, a, she makes a snide remark about like, oh, you and Marissa Cooper? Yeah, right. And it's like, oh, okay. I don't know what's happening here. Um, and then I wrote, Jess, and then I also wrote, Jess does cocaine better than I did at her age. So good for her. She's cutting it up on the table, and she's just really, she's a pro. That was a fat line. Yeah, she's really going for it. Um, 
They Trey took Seth's job at the bait shop. Last we saw, Seth had his job back from Alex because he was going to pay her back. He needed the money up front. We never saw him actually go to work, and now Trey stole his job. I think that there are only two minimum wage jobs that you can get as a teen in the OC. Um, you can either work crab at the bait, bait shop, shop or the crab shack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So take yeah, your pick. Obviously. Yeah. I, but I was like, it's wild that, that Trey took Seth's job at the bait shop where Alex used to work and he also has Alex's apartment. They're running out of places to, uh, and ideas. Um, but then he invites Marissa over for dinner. Oh, my God. It's a trio of things happening here. It's margarita and movie night. Buckle up, guys. Why would she um, bring the notebook? What are you talking about? Why wouldn't she bring the notebook? I love the notebook. Well, but it's a weird... Okay, I, I can speak about this because I'm a woman. Um, and I'm glad that I'm here because I think it'd be kind of awkward to just have like, two white dudes like talking about a scene like this. That's the um, whitest movie ever made. I think we're very... It, it's in our wheelhouse. I'm talking about the rape scene, you dolt. Oh, we're talking oh. about the notebook. <laughs> I was talking about the notebook. Well, I know, but I'm getting to that. Did she call me a dolt? <laughs> yeah, she called me. I vote yes, I <laughs> She said, and I quote, I'm talking about the rape scene, you dolt. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, okay, so I am somewhat, I've always been somewhat sensitive of like, oh, would that be kind of weird? Would that be a little bit intimate with someone who I don't want to necessarily create like an intimate moment with? And that is not just a Chelsea thing or like someone who's highly emotionally intelligent. That's pretty much every woman. Um, so part of what makes this whole scene and storyline so scary is just how realistic it was. Mm-hmm. And that is that just a girl is being nice to someone who they're connected to for one reason or another. Maybe it's just a guy that you're friends with. Maybe it's, um, you know, your friend's brother. Or maybe it's, you know, your boyfriend's brother. Just some kind of relationship to them where you would feel um, comfortable and like they're a safe person to kind of let your guard down around and treat with kind of like a brotherly or sisterly uh, affection so maybe she was like oh the notebook's just like a great movie oh it's not going to be a big deal to go to his apartment by myself like oh we, we can drink and it's not a big deal and this is not me victim blaming this is me saying that every single girl is hyper aware of like okay i wouldn't do these normal things with someone who i didn't want to create an intimate moment with but because it was Ryan's brother, mm-hmm. that's why she felt super comfortable doing it. Yeah. So, for example, you know, my brother-in-law lived upstairs for the last um, six months. And my husband would go out of town and I would cook dinners for just us two because we both lived mm-hmm. at the house together. And then we'd watch a movie together. And then we would drink beers. But it was, like, not a thing because it was my brother. Mm-hmm in law you know what i mean so that's why marissa this is the opposite of victim blaming this is me saying even though under normal circumstances you'd be like "Ooh, that might kind of create a mood if we eat dinner together and then watch a romantic movie together after drinking together Mm -hmm. but because it was ryan's brother she did not feel that same i guess she didn't have those walls up um but then later you can feel her you know you can feel that she's starting to get scared which is why she suggests like okay we need to get out of here like we need i need to leave the apartment i need to go get some air and instinctively she knew okay i'm gonna be safer not confined in this apartment Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the old, the saying that people like to say is that, um, guys are afraid that girls are going to laugh at them, but girls are afraid that guys are going to kill them. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that really applies here because he, she definitely rejected him. He misinterpreted her signs or whatever, and immediately he goes to violence. Yeah. What What else did this scene kind of make you guys? I, I just, just spoke very realistically well, to you. Well, I I have I have two things. The first thing I want to say is. When I said, why would she pick the notebook? It's just because I think that's a terrible movie. And I would have picked like <laughs> Daredevil or Big Fish, which also came out around that time. Um, but with, with regard to the actual actual scene itself on the beach, I think one of the most powerful, which turned into the most horrifying things is like I've heard stories from 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 women that I know that makes me realize exactly how authentic this was played out. And the mm-hmm. scene, the, the portion of the, of the scene that I'm thinking about in particular is where he thought that if he could somehow justify it, like he could convince her like, Oh, I'm not good enough for you. Is that what it is? Like he thought that if somehow mm-hmm. he could, he could justify it. It, um, it somehow would make it all better. Like there'd be a moment where Marissa would be like, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're, like you're, guilt yeah. her or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, I guess I'll just do this. But it was really, really, it was just, it was harrowing. And I really applaud Misha Barton for the way she played this. For all the crap we give her, she played this scene so, so well. And so did, um, I, I forget the actor who plays Trey. I forgot his name, but he just did such an amazing job of really capturing a feeling and 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 just these emotions that are so so difficult to convey and that no one wants to see play out on TV, but it's just it was heavy, man. It was really heavy for, you know, a show that aired on Thursday nights. Well, and that seven minutes before we literally saw Seth like eating whipped cream off of some girl, you know? I mean, that's part of the reason why I think it was so powerful was just the whiplash that you get. Because, you know, like you said, seven minutes prior to this scene, we're laughing as these girls are getting whipped cream licked off their bodies. And then... You know, when you have a culture where that's on TV, that's constant. You have Summer saying, who would be pathetic enough to do this? And then at the end, you know, you have this dark side effect of a society that thinks that that is something that you should commodify and that's something that you should sell. And it was, for all the crap I give him, it was really brilliantly done. Um, And it's something, it's important. It's an important lesson um, for all of us, I think, but especially the men. (laughs) Yeah, Ryan, do you have anything to kind of add? Just yeah, it's just something I've thought about a lot, actually, is that because I mean, I do I go to a therapist like every like twice a month now in my 30s. And something we've talked a lot about is how I I do have a lot like a lot of my close friends are female. I don't know why I just vibe with them better. And it's never I mean, mm-hmm. nothing the, like wires never get crossed. Like I'm we're good at having friendships. But one of the things that I talked about with my therapist a lot was be like a reason for that is because I know Dylan, you, you were you're around my age. We're both in our early 30s mm-hmm. um, when like when we grew up around this time like the, like the one of the reasons i think we all love gen z so much is because they don't have like the toxic masculinity that our mm-hmm. generation has because when yeah. we were growing up in the yeah. in that mid to late 90s early 2000s everything was a thousand percent balls to the wall girls and tits and mm-hmm. partying you know what i mean and yeah. like if you were mm-hmm. not fully a part of that you you then you ri- ran the risk of like being called like gay as an insult but you have so you have to unlearn all the shit growing up um and you either go one way or you go the other and like a lot of people from our generation in particular went the wrong way mm-hmm. 
and they end up in a place like where Trey is on this show. And I know we talked last week, Chelsea, about, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. It may have also been when Dylan was offline, actually. I think we talked about whenever uh, Trey, we talked about him and the bar fight that he was in with the pool stick and how early in that episode he had like kicked over the sunglasses stand and you started, we started thinking like we put the pieces together. Like, Oh yeah, he has like a, and he has like an anger problem. Like he'll go zero to a hundred real fast if he doesn't yeah. get his way immediately. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like a lot of, I feel like that's a very common thing for people of our age that grew up in that generation. Well, and I'm just thinking about back to my younger relationships. And now obviously I've been married for ever and, with my husband for even longer and but um in college i remembered my boyfriend's friends were some of my favorite friendships because all um i guess any kind of sexual tension or whatever that you might have with just like another guy that you knew in your social circles is totally gone because you're this guy's best friend's girlfriend so we were able to do a lot of funny somewhat intimate things together because it was so brotherly and sisterly and i just think about how terrifying it would be if suddenly that vibe got confused. Mm -hmm. Like it, it would be horrifying, especially if you were so certain you felt so safe in that relationship. Especially when you were young and you probably didn't, wouldn't have stood up for yourself the way that you would now. Right. And then you got to think about, you would go home and you'd say, Oh my God, do I tell my boyfriend about this? That's literally, I mean, that's literally what Marissa's having to deal with now. Yeah. So that's, that's why I love this next episode and it's, it hits home in so many ways because you go, do, do I tell the person about it who, because you know that it's going to hurt them? Are they even going to believe me? Are they going to think that I misinterpreted something wrong? What did I do to make that other person misinterpret my intentions? And all of these things are going through your head, and I think they did a really, really good job depicting that. And that's how this episode ends, is they, they're walking around. He does cocaine. He gets all keyed up and forces himself onto Marissa. She tries her best to fight him off. She eventually has to hit him in the head with like a big stick that's next to her. So he's like bloody. He leaves a giant scratch across her chest and she leaves her phone behind as she has to run away from him. And when we saw Ryan call her at at the end of his storyline, we see Trey bloodied holding her phone, which I guess we don't ever really see. Like the next episode, the phone thing doesn't really come up again. So I guess the phone thing is just kind of left open-ended. But yeah, that gets us to the end of the episode. The one last thing that I kind of wanted to to talk about or to to throw it out there is I I feel like, you know, one of the reasons why we had a trigger warning and one of the reasons if you're one of those people that doesn't understand trigger warnings, I feel like this is this is something that that I think everyone really needs to understand is I just pulled up the most recent rain statistics. um, And I remember when I read these in college, my mind was just blown. But one out of every six American women have been the victim of either an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. It's one in six. This is widespread. It affects so many people. And, um, you know, all, all jokes aside, if this is something that, that you've struggled with or that anyone in your family has struggled with, um, just know you're not alone in this and know that there are resources out there. Um, you can get help 24-7 through Rain by just calling um, 800-656-HOPE. There's a live chat there. There are resources in Oklahoma and in your states as well. So um, just know you're not alone. It can feel very isolating. Um, but, uh, but I mean, if anything, we're here with you. And, and it's I swear I'm not joking, but if you just need to reach out and talk to somebody, uh, we have an email address, and, um, and we'll help you find help if you need it. But um, that's the end of the episode, and I'm ready to make some stupid fart jokes now.
<laughs> that'll get us into episode number 22 the showdown the showdown features sandy coming on screen for 11 minutes and 19 seconds still and tell me more about this episode well if you remember what i said earlier the showdown actually aired right after the return of the nana on may 5th 2005 in america well, um, big big cinco de mayo yes yeah. and 7.20 million viewers watched this one is written by john stevens so let's figure out the what same this night is. it was the same night and it had like a million Million more viewers. I guess because this is the, probably the regular time slot. Yeah, yeah. People probably turned it on and panicked. I'd be so mad if I turned on the episode and realized I just missed the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Who's doing the showdown? Which one are you? Uh, I am, and oh, this is God. actually the very first time. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you've talked about anonymous eagle a lot, so I was like, I need to go check that out. It's no oh, Chelsea. No Chelsea. It's dope, isn't it? I hate this. <laughs> my minions. I, well, what I was gonna say is, I I was kind of like enraptured in the episode and was having a hard time coming up with my own synopsis. So I was like, wow, I can just use their wonderful rundown. It's just kind of our guiding light within this episode as we discussed. So we're going to see how it goes. We're going to end up having to pay this website. Well, I think this is a good thing because I have no idea why this OC content is even on the Anonymous Eagle. So I'm sure this guy is very, very happy to have his work talked about. Shout out Anonymous Eagle. I am the only host of this podcast left that is not turning into a QAnon conspiracist right before your eyes. That's just, that's just because you got vaccinated. That's why you talked about Hanson. You were trying to reel me in. Oh my gosh. Isn't that how QAnon people legit like reel people in? Because they start talking about Jeffrey Epstein and everyone's like, oh yeah, he was shady. And then from there, they just like suck you into all these other things. Yeah, Chelsea, like you're about to do to me. Let's let's go. I'll f- I'm prepared to fight you off. Okay, okay let's do it. Um, so the episode starts with, um, Marissa trying to figure out how to hide that bruise on her chest from the assault with Trey because she did not just fight him off. I mean, she clocked him in the head with like driftwood. So it left a huge mark on his head and she didn't, you know, I mean, she has like battle wounds on her body also. So to think about something so traumatic happening to you and then you wake up and you have evidence of it all over your body. I just, that's, oh, terrible. So Trey tries to call her. Um, she picks him up the phone up and tells him to never call her again, hangs up really quickly. Um, they show what Trey's doing, and he's there with Jess. So he's sleeping with Jess, but he's still trying to call Marissa. Like, I'm just really confused about that. I mean, he's trying to call Marissa to, like, to try and make things good with her. He's, yeah, I he's sleeping so with Jess because Jess hates herself. <laughs> well, I know, but I still think that that's kind of a risky thing to do. Like, uh, I mean, he's Jess gonna... does not care. Yeah. She doesn't care that he is like, I know that she doesn't care that he assaulted someone, but still just like if he's trying to hide this from his brother, it's just odd that he would show any kind of uh, relationship with Marissa in front of anyone, you know, even Jess. But, um, you know, he's pretty much like, oh, you know what this is. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And leaves. Um, Meanwhile, Kirsten is at the office and um, her assistant comes by and and is like, oh, Carter left this gift for you. And it happens to be a necklace from that winery that they went to. And it got very weird when they were both sitting in the hotel together in their robes. I didn't realize that was from the winery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was from the winery. Um, It was a little bit weird, though, because Kirsten was like, just leave it. Like, she didn't go and get the box. She just kind of told the other person to leave it. I don't know. I thought that was kind of strange. She didn't want to seem too eager in front of the assistant. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, a present! My necklace! (laughs) Um, Seth finds Summer in school, and uh, she basically cuts him off and is like, 
I saw you. I don't care. By the way, I kissed Zach. Yeah, and she has bangs. Yeah. Peace out. I love, yeah, no, this was wonderful. I love this scene. And he even says, well, what else happened? And she is like, nothing too much. And I was like, oh my God, she is nailing this. She knows. She knows. She knows how to hurt him. Yeah. Yeah, she knew that that was gonna that was gonna drive him nuts. Well, she even said like you found new ways to disappoint me this time, even like publicly. And I was like, yes, a hundred percent, Summer, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. She is correct. <laughs> so around that point, you know, Zach comes and catches up with her, and they, the three of them, have their kind of confrontation, and you know, things blow up a little bit, and that's when we get the great line from Zach being like, "I'm a water polo player." Like, what, what does he say exactly? He says, "Wake up, I'm a water polo." polo player we're never nice and i had a note that i was writing i sometimes i write my notes i think ryan does it too i write my notes as whatever is happening is happening and then when something else is happening then, so you're like so you like run on sentence into the next yeah note. so i put zach yeah. quitting the comic is a cheap ploy omg seth just said cheap ploy wait he can't lose <laughs> to him zach's wearing cargo pants was my note <laughs> um for that no this was a brilliant move by Zach. Like, I think that Zach is being manip- and not manipulative in a necessarily a bad way. Like, I don't know what it, I think that Zach had a plan is what I'm trying to say through this whole thing. And it's working. And I think it's brilliant. Like, I think Zach is nailing it, but I just also think that he's not this great guy that we all thought that he was, no way. but, um, him quitting the comic book in front of summer when all summer wanted was mm. for Seth to choose her over the comic and he wouldn't do it. So yeah. for him to very publicly, in front of Seth, tell quit. Say yeah. like, say like, oh, it's affecting my relationship with Summer too much. I'm out. Like the only reason Zach was in in the first place was for that moment. He never intended on being a part of this comic book. Yeah, Master man, work. that's so interesting to me though. Just because I don't know, I, I'm sure I didn't think like this as a kid, but now I'm like, does not make any sense why you would walk on such a lucrative opportunity for a girl you're not going to think about in five years. I don't think he cares about... First of all, I don't think he cares about the comic book. I just don't think it's a thing he gives a shit about. I don't think he wants to be business partners with Seth. I think that's... Yeah, no. I I think this is all a setup just to get Summer. I totally get it, by the way. Like, I, I, where you don't see it, I totally see it. See, I don't. I think that he comes from a really ambitious family, and this is, like, a cool business opportunity Exactly. Like, he's... Well, he's going to have these opportunities for the rest of his life because he's Zach Stevens, water polo player, son of a politician. Like, this isn't the comic book thing. He just wants to be with Summer. That's what he wants. Okay, that's a good point. He is the son of a, a senator, so he's going to have limitless opportunity, and he's he's so handsome. Like he's going to be fine. He's rich and white. Like he is no shortage of opportunities will be presented in front of him his entire life. Summer uh-huh. is a once in a lifetime. Uh-huh. You know what song lyrics really stuck with me when I was young, and then I realized like, oh, that's, this is true for some people, but definitely not true for others. Is it? I'm just a kid, and life is a nightmare. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lose yourself when Eminem's like, what if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment? Would you capture it? You can do the whole thing, can't you? Yeah, no, we're going to get sued. (laughs) We're going to get copyright strike. Fair use. (laughs) There, here comes the DMCA takedown. Uh, I guess let's move on to um, kind of what adult world. Kirsten decides that she is going to pour herself a glass of vodka and two drips of tomato sauce and drink that for tomato juice. breakfast. Tomato sauce. sauce. That's what Zach she's drinks. No, she's saucing the sauce. <laughs> she's getting tomato sauced. Man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Like you can tell it is like a spoonful of, of the tomato, maybe. It's so clear. There, she's It's like a mimosa when I make mimosas. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. She's like drinking it. And I'm wondering, like, does she want to get caught? Because she she like yeah. drinks it mostly and then she just sticks it, it like Sandy comes in and she like runs and hides her bottle of vodka. How yeah. many minutes was Sandy in this episode, did you say? Uh, 11 minutes and 19 seconds. I feel like nine of those 11 minutes were just sent, like spent smelling cups that Kirsten <laughs> left around the house. <laughs> um, so he's like, oh, let's let's go get away together. Just us. Let's go to Palm Springs. I wonder if they're going to stay at Oliver's house. I don't know. <laughs> um, she claims that she can't take Monday off. He notices her little necklace. It's a, it's a cute little scene, but you can tell that there's definitely tension. He knows something's up. He has suspicions about the glass. He smells it. He's like, whoa. But I guess that would be a bit much for him to smell that one time and be like, hey, you've been drinking too much. Mm. So we kind of just like files it away, but is on alert. So the next scene is uh, Seth and Reed are at the, uh, they're having a meeting at the diner about the comic book. And um, Zach tries to announce that he's out of the project and Reed is basically like, hi, you're a kid. That's not how this works. You've already signed a contract. Uh, if you leave, we're basically going to sue the fuck out of you, which I'm sure he could have gotten out of with his uh, dad being a senator. Well, but I have two TV world, very so. important and quick thoughts. One, mm -hmm. the contract is void because he's a minor and minors can't sign contracts. But two, more importantly, I figured out who Reed is. She's who? She's Katie in Wet Hot American Summer. She looked so familiar to me the entire time. Katie is the one that, like, Paul Rudd's character was dating on and off for the yeah, entire I'm movie. Yeah, I'm feeling like we've had this conversation on this show before. Have we not? It may have been when I when I when my internet was down. That's just <laughs> yeah, my, Chelsea and I talked about. Chelsea assumption. and I talk about this. Yeah, that, no, I mean, every time you say something, I'm like, oh, Chelsea and I already talked about this that day. <laughs> There's a ten minutes where you were gone that we talked about literally everything. Uh, no, I also have thoughts about this scene. One. There was a part that didn't make sense to me, and I overthought it, and probably I might even edit it out because it's not very important. But she goes, no, you're stuck. You're doing the comic book. You can't quit. And then he looks at Seth, and he goes, you did this. You also threatened to quit unless she got me back in. And I was like, wait, what? That didn't make any sense. I don't understand. It literally does. It literally makes no sense, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the other part was, this was my musical moment of the episode. It was uh, Hey Seensters by the Eagles of Death Metal was playing at the diner. Nice. Um, so back in adult world, um, Julie kind of delivers an envelope to Caleb and he's basically like, yep, th this is over. This isn't going to work out. Um, what did you guys think about this whole scene? I feel like a lot of bombs happened mm, all at once. I loved it. I loved this scene because I feel like you got to see in real time how quickly Caleb's like mind works when he's like ready to just strike and like yeah i knew his true sharkiness yeah, i knew he knew what was in the envelope while he was talking to her he opened the envelope he looked at the pictures didn't bat an eye and instead looked at her and, and apologized he's a sneaky sneaky boy made plans to go and eat with her at mcdonald's little do we know he's just making sure that he knows where she is for the process server to come and get her served i thought oh. that it was so brilliantly executed i didn't even know that's why he did the arches thing that is actually mm -hmm. brilliant same way. Him and Zach, two peas in a pod, just masterminding their... Zach might be one of his kids. Their relationships. Actually, yeah. Well, he's got too much hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm sorry I'm laughing. It's just right. Chelsea is so good at just going... After, like, we have this whole rant, she goes, okay. Mm -hmm. So... She just goes, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
You guys are going to do that for the rest of your life and think about me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Now who's being the master manipulator? Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so uh, Kirsten comes home and she wants to thank Carter for the necklace. So she calls him, starts talking to him, realizes that it's a bad idea. So she she's leaving him a voicemail. Him. She's leaving him a voicemail. She leaves yeah, the, she leaves him a voicemail. The Marvin's like, room this is, voicemail. It, it just... <laughs> It, it reminds me of whenever you're like in high school and you have a crush or you have your kind of have a breakup or just are having issues dealing with your relationship. Like it just feels very juvenile. But obviously, Kirsten is such a an accomplished woman. She's so smart. She runs a company like she has a successful family. Um, so I think that it's all kind of boiling down to she's just kind of frustrated because she just doesn't know how to process these emotions. And she just feels very unheard. And the only way she knows how to deal with it is to just go get drunk. So she immediately hangs up and just yanks the vodka out of the freezer. Mm-hmm. I, I've been trying to think a little bit more about Kirsten's drinking problem kind of in the adult mindset. Because when I was watching this, you know, in 2015 when it came out, I couldn't make the connection. 2015? Not 2015, 2005. Sorry, I time travel. But when I was watching it for the first time in 2005, I never really, I, I was just like, oh, she's an adult. She's sad. She's drinking. That's why. And so I've been trying to like put more nuance into it for the sake of this rewatch and the podcast. And I just started thinking about Kirsten as a character. And there are very, very few times where we don't see her as a workaholic at the office. And like, that's, that's what she's been filling her time doing is working. And that's her purpose is working. Her family's there, but it's working, working. And so when she's not at the office, it's almost as if, she has to fill that time with something else. And what she ends up doing is she ends up drinking when you add on top of that kind of alcoholic tendency of being a workaholic, when you add all of the issues with Carter and all the issues with Sandy. And so at, at the risk of sounding kind of strange, like I, I almost understand Kirsten's drinking more. Mm-hmm. See, I've had the kind of the opposite reaction because I have not like this whole year. I just have drank so little mm-hmm. That whenever I see her like pouring herself a really strong glass, it kind of gave me the shakes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you get that sympathy headache. Yeah, I was, I was never like a drinking because I'm like stressed out or upset person. Like I'm a part. I drink when I party, and sometimes I party too much and too hard. But never because I'm like I'm sad or upset mm-hmm. about a thing. I have to drink about it. Just makes it worse. So I, oh, I'm going to skip around a little bit to just stay a little bit more consistent with the storylines. Um, mm-hmm. But Sandy comes home with flowers and a dessert reservation because they couldn't go on their trip. And he finds Kirsten just completely passed out on the couch. So he asks Harrier to bed. He obviously, you know, sees a glass there. He kind of knows what's smells going it. on. Um, smells it. Uh, the next morning, he brings her breakfast in bed. Two, to- second, two times in this episode, someone does something nice for their spouse they make them breakfast and it it gets it thrown away (laughs) they get shot down especially the kirsten one because sandy brings her breakfast in bed he's being so nice he's just like maybe because carter left and you have extra work to do and she's like nope leave me alone and then he's like okay well i'll just leave this in the kitchen for you and she's like nope don't worry about it i'm not hungry he's like oh my god just brutal ice queen it's better i mean it's not better but Nothing beats you spent two hours making eggs Benedict for a man with a heart condition. That is a classic pant load style <laughs> takedown. He even oh brings gosh. it up again. Whenever she comes and sees him in the office, later, he he as the first thing she walks in the office, he goes, "What's the heart attack special today, Julie?" <laughs> <laughs> Caleb is 
underrated on how funny he is, but they give him a lot Caleb of Caleb and lines. Julie are like the two funniest characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> later when Sandy is kind of confronting Kirsten about the whole situation, I did think he came on kind of strong being like, did you and Carter have an affair? And she gets really frustrated. I think at one point she just kind of storms away and is like, you don't understand. You're not listening. And just like goes away. And that again, it, it just reminds me of like high school, just because it's you're trying to express something that you don't have words for yet. Because I think that Carter was more than just like a romantic crush and infatuation. Like I think that she also just saw him as someone who listened to her and was a big support. And she suddenly now feels like she doesn't have that support anymore. She doesn't have a connection with anybody. Like we said earlier, she doesn't yeah. have anybody around her that she talks to or spends time with that she has a real connection with. Um, so she's trying to articulate to Sandy that, no, we weren't having sex, but he was my close person. There was romance there. It's not like just because they didn't have sex, there wasn't like oh, a real totally. connection there. But also, totally. but like Julie, even she has a moment with Julie earlier in the episode where Julie's asking her questions about Caleb and senses something's wrong. And so her and Julie have a moment where it's like, oh, yeah, she said basically Julie says like, I know I'm not the best person, but, you know, I'm here for you if you need me. And that's got to be better than getting smashed at noon, right? Yeah. So Kirsten just doesn't have those people around her unless it's Julie in this specific situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess while we're talking about Julie, let's go ahead and wrap up kind of what happens with her and Caleb. Uh-oh, everyone. Um, <laughs> uh-oh. Don't go to McDonald's. Um, so you guys will have to help me with the, the chronology of everything that happens. But um, at one point, really pull up she, from her memories here. <laughs> I know this is quite a strain on my brain, you guys. Mm-hmm. I've had quite a full day today. Um, but anyways, wow. basically, I'm surprised you stopped me. yourself there and moved on. I thought we were about to go down another I was path. Say. That was impressive. Oh, Big me energy. No, I'm staying yeah. on task. I'm staying on task. Um, it's revealed that Kay- like Caleb has delivered that envelope. He opens it. He sees that she was with Lance. She sees that he kisses Lance. And I guess that that just kind of put him over the edge. So basically, he's like, this is it. I'm done. We're getting divorced. I've-. And he reveals. And, you know, she tries to come back with what little power she has. And she's like, okay, well, I'm taking everything. Mm-hmm. He comes back with all of the dirt that he has on her. So he's basically, you know, it's a power imbalance. Like, not only is he the rich one, but he has all of this information on her. Her affair with Jimmy, her affair with Lance now, and the one with Luke. And I think that that's a really big revealing moment because we were left at a little bit of a cliffhanger the season before. During that penultimate episode where Marissa wants to tell Caleb about um, Julie's affair with Luke and it's still left ambiguous to whether... uh, Caleb actually knows about it or not, but now we have in very certain terms that he did know about it. And basically threatens if you don't make this easy, um, we're going to reveal all of this. I love how she goes, whenever whenever Caleb says, your, it was your daughter's boyfriend, and she just goes, ex-boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that was the only thing that she had to defend herself. Yeah. Ex-boyfriend. But like, I gotta say, Caleb, not a great guy. No. But he's kind of right in the situation. Like, he hasn't done, besides not being a loving husband, he hasn't done anything egregious to their marriage like she has. Like, no. she's cheated on him multiple times now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we covered Kirsten, we covered Julie. Um, I guess the only two storylines that we have left to talk about are Ryan and Marissa and Seth and Summer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's, let's talk about uh, Ryan and Marissa first. 
Um, so there's one scene where Jess kind of approaches Ryan, and of course she's being her kind of salacious self and is throwing herself at him and grab, tells him that she has a thing 15. for brothers. Do what? Don't say it again. <laughs> I just I just saw Ryan shaking his head. <laughs> Um, she she kind of uh, puts a bug in his ear that, oh, I'm not the only one who's into brothers. And it kind of, you know, Ryan obviously isn't taking that at face value, but it does kind of plant something in his head like, oh, is something is something amiss? And then coupled with Marissa being pretty weird around him. Yet, like she she kind of ju- at one point he kind of comes up behind her and give her gives her a kiss and she kind of pulls away and jumps and uh, she tells Summer in one of the scenes, like, oh, I have, this, I have this date with Ryan, and it's really, really important. It has to be perfect. So they're on this date, and they're in the, the pool house, hooking up on the bed, which they've done countless number of times, but Marissa just keeps having flashbacks, mm-hmm. and it really, really panics her and freaks her out. So she ends up kind of storming out without really telling Ryan why. She's just like, I can't do this and leaves. There was an amazing line from Summer that that I wanted to bring up where whenever she sees the bruise and she goes, what happened? And Marissa goes, I just slipped. And Summer goes, and fell on your collarbone. (laughs) I really (laughs) like that energy. Um, They all wore fire episodes throughout. And I had a hard time choosing an outfit. Yeah, an outfit of the episode, because there are so many good ones. We'll start with uh, Summer's cropped cardigan with the knit flower on her shoulder. Yes. Everyone had a cropped cardigan. It was such a moment. Terrible fashion. Uh, Kirsten wears this awesome midi skirt and a cardigan that definitely deserves a shout out. Something that my mom would have worn. Marissa wears this really, really loud midi skirt and a polo and a scarf headband. Um, just their fashion was firing at all cylinders this week. And I have to say, you know, shout out to this anyways. So she, she's back at her house and she's laying on her bed and she's sobbing because obviously she's been through this horrible trauma and she's pushing away the one person in her life who does make her feel super uh, stable and protected. And I had so much issue with this. Apparently Trey, who's been trying to see her throughout this whole episode, oh, it was a scene earlier yes. oh, where he's waiting it. for her at school. It terrifies Marissa. She sees him. Luckily, Summer comes by. She's, she tells Summer, like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's go to the mall. Uh, we we pick me up at the back of the school, you know, so she doesn't have to walk by Trey. But then Marissa's sobbing in her bed, and Trey lets himself into her house and goes upstairs and just creeps up on her in a room and scares the shit out of her. Don't do that. Unbelievable. And yeah. It is unbelievable. If she was like, you know, if she had like a gun in her, uh, I guess, okay. Someone maybe needs, I, okay, someone needs to shoot that guy is, is I think what you're trying to say. <laughs> I hope that happens. I like, I momentarily forgot that that's how it ends, <laughs> but I was just like, that's one of those situations where someone scares the crap out of you and you grab the gun and then you kill someone. That's why me and Alex don't have guns Stand in our house. Stand your ground, Marissa. But I don't know, was Julie not... I guess Julie wasn't at home. I guess her and Caleb were doing other things. She was busy getting divorced. How on earth did Trey think that this was an okay? Any, any like, ideas that he might have had in his head were like, oh, I wouldn't have done this if I wasn't drunk. Like, or in coked up. Like, you just creeped in on a girl uninvited. That is the most terrifying thing in the world. And then he, he gets there walks and he's, into her room while she's on her bed and touches her before she realizes that he's in the room, which is unbelievable. It's horrifying. It, it, yeah. it, it was so egregious that I, whenever I was watching it, I thought that it must be a dream sequence, like kind of like whenever she was hooking up with Ryan and kept seeing Trey. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, they they have a tense moment where she's trying to apologize, and she's like, "Doesn't matter." She's like, "I well, I'm sorry because I was I was on drugs." She's like, "That's not an excuse. Get out of my house." She tells him to get out multiple times, and threatens to call the police. Yeah, and, and eventually she's like, "I'll call the police," and like he like leans in, like he's about to fucking. That's what made me think about the the temper and the violence that we've talked about in the past when Dylan wasn't on online. Um, <laughs> was like, you know that he's capable of going zero to a hundred, and I thought. I mean, good for her for standing up for herself, for sure. But again, it's just like, fuck, he could do it right here. We don't know. Yeah, that had to be freaking terrifying. She can't talk to her mom about it. Can't talk to, you know, Caleb about it. Can't talk to Ryan about it, who's the only one who would make her feel truly safe in this situation. Because she knows what Ryan would do, which is fly off the handle, which we'll get to next episode. So he leaves the house and Ryan, who went over to Marissa's house to try to kind of console her and make things right between them, sees it. And he couples that with the weird thing Jess said, and now his mind is full of doubts. But of course, it was also so cringy because well, it's you again well, one you, of those I think OC you left out, moments. I think you left oh, out the part where Ryan and Marissa were hooking up on the bed, and like you said, she saw Trey. She kept visualizing Trey, and they shot that weirdly to make Ryan look kind of creepy too. But she freaks out, and her her word vomit after she freaks out is basically like, "I'm sorry, I can't do this. I can't be with you. I thought we could get yeah. back together. There's too much history. I gotta go." And basically breaks up with him and mm-hmm. runs back. That's why she's crying in her bed. So Ryan thinks that they've broken up now, mm-hmm. and that she broke up with him for Trey. Well, yeah, then he sees Trey leaving her house, so now he thinks that, oh, she's leaving me for my brother. Uh, meanwhile, let's bounce over to uh, what Seth and uh, Summer are doing. Can't wait for you to try and explain this, because I don't even know what happened. So I have no idea what happens either. I was just thinking about this. I know that there is a comic book launch um, that Reed has kind of forced them all into. So, Reed is so a Seth, sneaky so bitch, Seth, and I love hang her. On. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Seth first sabotages the relationship between Zach and Summer by letting her know that Zach is still involved with the graphic novel, which again, at this point, the the graphic novel is such an overarching, like, I hate it. I'm so over it. Yeah. But he does the thing. He like, he catches them outside the diner and like Summer's really cozying up to Zach in that scene in front of Seth. But, but Ryan, how did he know they were at the diner? Because he had the comic book club (laughs) spying on them. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. I can't remember that guy's name, but we've seen him before and he's back. It's like Neil or something. He lets he let he calls Seth to let him know where they're at the diner. So Seth shows up to let them know, and he does the thing where he's like, "Oh, by the way, Zach uh, Reed needs us to be at the meeting early tonight." And it's like, "Oh, okay, good, kind of a good move by Seth, honestly." Um, and we see Summer berating Zach outside the diner, smacks him in the head again. Two episodes in a row, she's mm-hmm. hit him in the head, um, and Seth is loving it because he thinks that he broke them. At this point, at this point, Zach and Seth, neither of them. They care more about the other person not being with Summer than they care about themselves being with Summer. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I. So there's there's something connected to the comic book presentation that I think I didn't realize when I first watched it. But like, not only is the comic book thing done, but like they have a graphic novel in hand. It's complete. It's done. So somehow they've written, drawn. It's been mass produced. Because at the end, you know, when, when Zach and, and Seth, are, they're signing actual copies of the graphic novel. And I guess it just never clicked with me that it's done. And, like, Seth is reading every panel, as, uh, as, as Reed says. Um, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. So Summer is sick of all of the drama. She wants it to be over. She blames all of this on Reed. So she goes to confront Reed. 
And Reed is kind of genius, and she basically flips us back on um, Summer and is like, by the way, when all of this gets published and there's a franchise of this and there's going to be a movie and, you know, TV shows, books, all of this, everyone's going to be really interested in meeting Little Miss Vixen. So I think that that kind of uh, gets Summer excited, and she's like, I know how to spin this back on the boys. So she shows up at their launch party in full-on Little Miss Vixen outfits. All the nerds are drooling over her. It's her small moment of reclaiming some power and uh, taking over the narrative, and I respect her for that. Also, it kind of, it does a good job of, of putting Seth in the situation that he put Summer in in season one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she makes the same choice. She chooses nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I was going to say was that before, right before that happens, when Seth is reading an excerpt, quote unquote, from, from the graphic novel, and he's droning on and on and going on way too long, and Reed finally stops him and says, you've been very detailed. You've read every panel in great detail. And she cuts him off. And, and even Zach mentions that he went like 45 minutes over his time. And I was like, that is... The most Dylan energy I've ever got from the show. Oh my gosh. That is Dylan um, doing any recap of this show. Stay tuned for the finale next week. It's going to be 12 hours long. Because Dylan's doing so, both episodes. Welcome to Hardcore History, OC edition. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm just happy I don't have to narrate it because clearly it's something I'm really, really good at and that is not a nightmare at all for, for Ryan to edit. <laughs> He's just going to keep I'm it all just in. An, I'm just an editor and life is a nightmare. Life is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the only question I have left about this scene is like, what? how does this brawl begin? So, okay. I was trying to figure that out too, because first of all, very uncharacteristic of Seth Cohen. I guess, I guess he's fighting for summer, so that's different. But Seth Cohen, comic book nerd, getting in a fight with a water polo player voluntarily-ish. But so I think what happened was things were getting intense between the two of them. They were shoving each other and shoving each other. And then Reed, when Reed walked back stage and ran into Zach, Zach then ran into Seth. And it's kind of like it's 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 like how you start a cockfight where you like shake the, the roosters up to get them freaked out and then put them in the pen. And they're already angry and fighting I each other. Had no idea that's how you start a cockfight. That's good to know, oh, yeah. Dylan. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, the thing that was interesting about their fight, though, was that like they never they never punched each other. There were no punches thrown. They just like grappled and fell over and then like wrestled around on the ground. Hug fight. And then uh, yeah. best part is Summer broke the fight up by using her whip. Yeah. Did you see the clip of Michelle Pfeiffer from the Batman movie, like the unedited scene of her using the whip? Do we get in one take all the mannequin it's, heads? It, oh my god, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I thought about oh that. Oh my already. gosh, now I'm gonna have to YouTube that. That oh, sounds yeah. incredible. I'm gonna Catwoman corner. Yeah, cat, welcome to Pfeiffer corner. corner. <laughs> this is the Pfeiffer um, corner. We'll talk about Grease two next week. Oh my gosh, do not even get me started on a Grease two rabbit hole because <laughs> I could talk your ear off about that movie. It's the superior Grease. I do not disagree Ooh. with you. It had a way better storyline. I I mean, the music was not as good, but it was certainly more inventive. Uh, cool writer is is calling you and wants to have a conversation. Uh, I'm pretty. I like the the song, the reproduction song, and I like the, the go? we're gonna score. And every single one of their songs are about getting laid. Let's do it the, for let's our do country. It for our country. <laughs> the, every song is just a, a like a different way to say let's have sex. Yeah. So like normal music. 
Yeah. But weirdly, somehow the storyline is a little better. Like the way the grease ends is kind of fucked up. It's like, okay, be a bad girl. That's how you get the boy. And then fly away in a car because nothing is real. Mm-hmm. But then in the second movie, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a better, I don't know. It's a better ending. That's that's oh. what the people want. That's going to be our bonus commentary is we're going to make Ryan watch Grease 2 and we're going to record his reactions. Watch it live. I can't believe Scat didn't cover that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who's that guy? Where did he come from? So I will say one more thing about Grease 2 and then I'll stop. But my favorite part of that song of um, Who's That Guy is whenever it's like everyone is singing Who's That Guy and then it, it goes over to Michael and he says in the most off-key way possible as an internal voiceover, yeah. what would they say <laughs> if they knew it was Michael? Oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> All of the all the people in it turned into soap actors, also, yeah. or they're just kind of like random dads. Like, um, oh, that one guy wasn't he Shooter McGavin? Yes, the one the one who was kind of playing the the Kanicki replacement turned yeah. into Shooter McGavin. It was a great movie. Anyways, moving on to the end of this episode, which ends in quite a dark way. Not as dark as the one before. Sandy's driving around looking for Kirsten, who has um, vanished on a bender. Um, she's basically just drinking martinis at a bar and, um, she has just kind of a meltdown there, but also a realization of, I need to get back to my real life. So she takes off the feather necklace that Carter gives her. She kind of puts down her martini and is just like, okay, I'm ready to go back to my family. So kind of like, you know, whenever Sandy braved the elements to get back to Kirsten on Valentine's day. She gets in her car, she's sobbing on the phone, and she tells him, like, I'm so sorry, I'm coming back, let's figure this out. And then she drops her phone because she's hammered. One car misses her narrowly, but then she gets hit by a uh, garbage truck. Metaphor. That's not good. No. That's and not good. You are correct, Chelsea. It, all, it also could have stopped. And the car does not just, fu- it does not just crash. The car flips, it flips, it flips again. Doesn't? And then it flips one more time. Yeah. And then it's like Ricky credits Bobby. roll. So yeah, Kirsten died. Rest in peace to our ice queen. Rip. The uh the one Her and Jess. Jess in the pool, rip. The the la- I there's only one last thing I want to talk about in this episode. And by talk about it, I just mean give a shout out. And I want to give a shout out to the Star Wars episode three Revenge of the Sith video game. That, that video game is so good. Also to the Obi-Wan Kenobi cutout. The cardboard cutout. Yeah, I saw that as well. From the uh, Attack <laughs> oh, of the Clones yeah. era when he had his uh, his space mullet. So shout yeah. out to... That's two Ewan McGregor shout outs. So uh, we stand you, King. Uh, but yeah, that's the episode ends with um, Kirsten's car, car wreck. And the, the cliffhanger is, one, is she alive? Two, if she is alive, she's clearly drunk. Like, what are the ramifications of this? Um, I'm assuming people have watched the OC if they've gotten this far. She's not dead, but I was thinking about what it would have been like if she had died there. Like that would have been a wild way to end the season. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, we hope you all after our, our riveting conversation, I think a, it's gonna be a longer episode. I hope about, that you all Yeah, Grease and MTV two really dominated this episode. I uh I both of those things are very worthy things for us to talk about though. I mean this is a an ops nostalgia pod, so Yeah, I and I think Is it is it though or is it just because you said that just now? <laughs> or is because it's not. It's an OC podcast. Life is what you make it. And <laughs> you all will want to come back next week for our season two finale because we have two episodes that are amazing in their own unique way 
and uh, you can watch me in real time disprove Ryan that I don't know how to do recaps well, um, <laughs> especially because I don't, I do not want to. I'm not even going to tell you who the guest star is on the show next week, even though you probably there's already a, wait, know. There's a guest star. Well, he's a oh. he's a guest star. He's a he shows up in the episode. Yes, I'm trying to f- remember in the. F- is it the finale or the one before? One before it. It's the. It's you because, can say that it's a yeah guest star war. Yeah, it's a. It's oh, a, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, a, forgot, I forgot. I he forgot. He gives I forgot. that whole speech about you know I missed my prom or whatever. You got it's gonna be great. Oh yeah, that dude's all neck. The yeah. like just a fat neck. Yeah. <laughs> you That's you right. either die a hero or live to see yourself become Jabba the Hut. I was gonna say Jabba the Hut. Okay. Wasolo. But yeah, that's it. We survived another episode. I only slept through parts. We, I think we all took naps at different parts of this episode, but here I, we are. I we're ate all an together. entire sandwich. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea took five Vicodin. I took four naps. Yeah, okay. And we're all here. We've survived. We made it. Um, will Kirsten survive? Tune in next week. <laughs> we will be back next week for the season two finale. Before we take a break, we'll probably do maybe some bonus episodes Heck in between. Yeah. Maybe we'll do something live. We COVID. Hey guys, COVID's over. By the way, ring yeah. the alarm. COVID's over. We're gonna we're gonna um cover. Uh, we need to do one just about MTV shows. Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. That will be seven hours, and I will be playing the role of Dylan in that episode. <laughs> I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just I'll just be Ryan. Yeah, you'll just be it'll yelling be a, at me. It'll be a body swap episode. It'll be great. I'm gonna make you edit it too. <laughs> oh, I would rather. Oh die. my gosh. Actually, I won't no, edit I anything. No, I think it'd be fun. Let, let's talk about let's talk about some shows that we liked as our younger selves. I think we should do one about like Nickelodeon shows. We should do one about our favorite DCOMs. And then we I should do never some Disney. I stuff. never watched Disney. I was Nickelodeon MTV. Oh, really? Cartoon yeah. Network. Oh, yeah, and Cartoon Network a little bit. Pup named Scooby-Doo, yeah, bro. Yeah, I did a little bit of Cartoon Network. I mean, I was mostly Nickelodeon. I was, that, that was me probably 80% of the time. Nick Jr.? Did you watch Nick Jr. with Face? Yeah. Hi there, Face here. Oh, I was asking no. Alex the other <laughs> day about... Um, Hi there, it's me, Face. I'm making music with my mouth. St- stick Stickly, because Alex doesn't remember Stick Stickly. I remember Stick Stickly and Face. Do you remember Figure It Out? Yes. Yeah, of course. Do you know that the in every episode of Coen's, the new episode horn is the horn from Figure It Out when they flip over a clue? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Chelsea, I know you don't listen to the episodes. <laughs> Damn. I listen to every episode. But the, the issue is I listen to it whenever I'm having trouble sleeping. Go ahead, Tom. One more time. I have, well, I have two things to say. The first thing God. I want to say mm-hmm. is the best way you can help this podcast, as always, remember, is to get on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review if you're feeling extra generous. The second thing I want to say is, Chelsea, if you've made it this far, just close your eyes. Go to sleep. You're almost there. Thank you for listening. <laughs> And then I put us clapping again right here and just wakes her right back up. Yes. <laughs> Wake up now. <laughs> Good job, Dylan. You review us. And also, if you want to reach out to us, send us an email at coenspod at gmail.com. Or you could find us on Instagram at coenspod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. Chelsea is running shit over there. For, Sometimes. Take that for Take that for what it's worth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be back a week from now for the season two finale and we will have more info for you then hopefully we'll probably talk this week about what we're going to be doing in the interim so yeah we'll see you next week for one more ride through season two our season two rewatch journey is coming to an end we'll see you then a week from right now see you pant loads (laughs) 